0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: Improving the lives of people and animals through research.
2: And we can make pigs that don't get purrs.
1: Now one university is helping lead the way. The president calls on Congress for help as a potential rail strike looms. We need an agreement. We We need something that they can all support. the livestock industry faces transportation challenges of its own. Anybody that's in this industry knows that this makes no sense for animal welfare. As the effort to move ag product across the country faces potential problems. Right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. We have lots to get to this morning, including a developing story that could have a big impact on livestock producers. The Department of Transportation handing down its ruling on Federal Driving Time Regulations for Truckers. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us with details.
3: Clinton Farm Groups have been working with the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration Agency for months to allow additional time on the road for truckers transporting livestock insects and aquatic animals and make them exempt from hours of service rules. But the agency has denied the request and it couldn't come at a worse time with a trucker shortage and pending rail strike. The agency rejected the exemption, saying it wouldn't meet an acceptable safety level for drivers. However, farm groups say it doesn't take into consideration the well-being of the animals being transported and will put a burden on producers.
1: We've been operating uh, with this uh, extended uh, relief for the last few years and being able to uh, have that flexibility to determine, you know, how we want to ship cattle and what the best time is, Not, not only given the weather conditions and road conditions, but also, uh, you know, taking all that in consideration, the livelihood of our our livestock that we're in charge of. So, not having this hours of service exemption kind of puts us in a bind. I am disappointed in that uh, news. Uh, I think that there's a pretty strong group that's going to try to to get uh, our waiver reinstated. I. Anybody that's in this industry knows that this makes no sense for animal welfare.
3: Plus, they'll continue to petition the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration to reconsider or strike a compromise.
1: We also have uh, allies and people on Capitol Hill who understand our industry, who understand the significance of this. Uh, So we may look at those options as well.
3: The livestock industry will retain the 150 mile air radius exemption on the front and back of a shipment. However, the loss of the hours of service exemption puts producers at a real disadvantage.
1: All right, Thanks, Michelle. President Biden is now calling on Congress to avert a potentially crippling rail strike. The president, meeting with congressional leaders yesterday, he wants lawmakers to approve a tentative deal that was worked out back in September, one that management and union leaders agreed to at the time, but four out of the 12 unions later voted down. Now a strike deadline looms for December 9th. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack weighing in, saying a rail shutdown would have significant and long-lasting effects on some sectors of American food and agriculture and could be devastating for parts of the economy. Several ag organizations also calling on Congress to step in.
3: As with always with Congress, the question is, what's the solution? And, you know, that's what we're trying to really get the word across is that we don't really care what the solution looks like, but this is not a time for either side to be scoring political points. We need an agreement. We need, a, we need something that they can all support.
1: Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the House would take up the issue this week and send it to the Senate, but the Fertilizer Institute says their deadline is this coming Sunday, which is when ammonia and other fertilizers and inputs will stop moving on the rails in preparation for a possible strike. It says those embargoes could hamper production and add additional uncertainty to an already tight global market. Something else some lawmakers and farm groups are scrambling to deal with before end of the year, an overhaul to immigrant labor. Democratic lawmakers say the current bill they're working on could provide a path to U.S. citizenship for one million farm workers as well as create a more reliable labor force to farmers in need. But the Democrats are racing to get it through Congress before Republicans take control of the House in January. Now, Republican Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has said he wouldn't support any bill to extend immigrant work visas without first addressing border security. The U.S. is threatening legal action against Mexico's plan to ban imports of genetically modified U.S. corn in 2024. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack again traveling to Mexico on Monday. To meet with Mexican President Andrés Manuel López Obrador to talk about it, along with other issues, Vilsack saying they need to find a way forward soon. Now He emphasized, without an acceptable resolution, the U.S. government would be forced to consider all options, including enforcing legal rights under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement. He said they made it clear Mexico's import ban would cause both massive economic losses for the Mexican ag industry as well as place an unjustified burden on U.S. farmers. But he said progress was made during the talks and they expect that. a proposal from the Mexican government soon. <laughs> Temperatures in many parts of the country are about to
4: take a big dip. Meteorologist May Urasavik joins us with an update. That's right Clinton, we've got cooler air on the way and a little blast of winter for the upper Midwest and parts of the Great Lakes as we head through today. Now temperatures are going to be in the 30s. If we take a look at this map, you'll see 20s up near Minneapolis, teens in parts of the Dakotas, but then 30s and 40s through the middle part of the country, even down into the mid-south behind that very strong front that moved its way on through, still staying mild along the Gulf Coast, but take a look at the front, still moving eastward through the East Coast, bringing showers and a couple of thunderstorms, especially along the Gulf Coast and the Southeast Coast, As we head through the afternoon, that storm system is going to continue to move east and behind it, we'll get some lake effect snow in portions of the Great Lakes, Michigan up into the UP of Michigan and even portions of southern uh, Canada as well. And then another system moving its way on into the west. It's going to bring some heavy snow, especially to parts of the Cascades over the next few days, but we could even be looking at that snow making it all the way down into the Sierras as we head through Friday and into the weekend upwards of 36 plus inches of snow could fall in the higher elevations there in the Sierras as we head through the weekend so something we will continue to keep an eye on as we inch closer to the winter months
1: yields in the fields on ag day is brought to you by micro essentials from mosaic the science of more discover our proven products text yields to 31313
4: and talk about an amazing end to harvest shot Tanner Mickey of Taylorville Illinois sharing this one. He says he was seeing yields of up to 260 bushels to the acre for corn and between 65 and 75 for soybeans. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. A
1: mixed and choppy day in grains. We have details next in analysis and later ag researchers tackle everything from disease to improving sustainability. We're off to the University of Missouri. in the country. Fourteen and a half cents, that's how much U.S. farms received out of every dollar spent on food grown here at home last year. Now that's down a cent from 2020. USDA says that can be attributed to more people eating at restaurants again following the pandemic. And it represents the lowest recorded farm share value in nearly three decades. The rest of that dollar goes to getting food from the farm to the store, including packaging, transportation, processing, and selling. Soybeans produced more gains on Tuesday, and we'd had a bit of a recovery from Monday's three month low. Michelle Rook is back to talk about it with Ted Seifert.
3: A mixed in grain and livestock futures trade on Tuesday. Uh, Ted Seifert's anarchic hedge is joining us with analysis. Greens, we were choppy, two sided. How much of it was just end of the month type squaring?
0: Yeah, you know, I think that was part of it, Michelle. Um, Also, you know, you had markets soybeans in particular reversal, higher outside reversal, higher day on Monday, coming back after a holiday week. um, But we weren't able to follow through on it. And and, you know, that's kind of indicative of a market that's been going sideways, basically, since the middle of June, Um, you had a potential to break out to the upside, you still have a potential to break out to the upside in soybeans. But when you have an indecisive market like this, maybe it just wants a little bit more time. And then At the end of the month, you don't have really aggressive fund activity unless they're unless they're getting out of positions, which didn't seem like the case there. Um, They just weren't adding either. So it was just sort of a bookmark day. Really, we're just letting the markets kind of stick near unchanged. Wait to see if there's another flash of news, round of news, something else to talk about for tomorrow, whether it be weather, whether it be. You know, really anything, China or, or any other news.
3: Yeah, it is that time of year, obviously, and we have been moving sideways in both corn and beans, as you mentioned. But the fact that funds have liquidated a good part of their length, especially in corn, almost seems like we're—it's a victory that we've held in these ranges.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, corn's really not that far off the seven-dollar level, which has kind of been, you know, the high watermark that we've seen uh, September and October. Uh, So for the fact that the funds have gotten out of a big part of their long position and we really haven't seen the corn market crater is a relatively good thing, especially when you're talking about sort of light volume scenario like we've been seeing for the past few months um the question is you know what is it going to take to get the funds to want to go long again and if they don't the you know does that mean that eventually the corn market will roll over so you really don't have any good indication or any clear pathway for corn right now which again is why you have this sort of sideways change something will happen something will get these markets to move one way or another and i think it'll happen sooner rather than later because you don't usually see markets go sideways for you know six months especially when they're at sort of an extreme. I mean, we're not at record highs, but right. we're at historically we're historically on the higher end. You don't usually stay there for long periods of time. So the question is, what's the next thing going to be? Uh, I think the market's gonna key into South American weather, and that's ultimately gonna determine okay. the path of whether we go higher or lower. But we can't say enough, we don't know enough about South American weather just yet to say, hey, so here we are.
3: All right, we'll see what happens. Thanks for joining us. Ted Cyphered with the Kedge Kej day coming up.
1: For professional marketing advice, specifically tailored to your needs, call Zaner Ag Hedge at 312-277-0113.
0: The NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today.
1: Later, I'll just make your joining us here, taking a look at our jet stream. And Matt, what do, you, what do you see in this as far as expectations for moisture and precipitation ahead?
4: It's going to be a busy of the weekend and early next week, especially upper Midwest. Back in the west as well, snowpack in parts of the Rockies and the Sierras is going to go way up. But let's take a look at this jet stream. And you can see the jet stream kind of dipping down into parts of the Midwest and upper Great Lakes. That's going to bring some colder air in as we head through the middle part of the week. A little bit of return of winter going on there. But as we kind of put this in motion, the cooler air moves off to the east pretty quickly and we get A little bit warmer through the middle part of the country as we head towards Thursday, temperatures will rebound a little bit, not all the way, but they will a little bit and notice what's going on back here in the West. We've got a couple of little short waves moving on through the first one's going to bring some snow up to the north, a little bit of rain here through the middle of the country, heading through the weekend as another cold front slings on through and then another one's going to drop down through the west bringing rain and mountain snow all the way down into the Sierras into early next week. And that's why that snowpack in the Sierras is going to go up. A whole lot as we head into the early part of next week. And then it stays active across the north as we head through next weekend. So, right now we've got temperatures in the 30s to the north. It stays a little bit more mild to the south. But notice that cold front continues moving eastward. Cooler air continues to follow it on through. And temperatures as we head through tomorrow afternoon turning a little bit more mild through the middle of the country as those temperatures will start to rebound. High pressure will be back in control there in the middle of the country. That will bring some more sunshine in. As we head through Wednesday afternoon, that cold front finally off of the coast. Still some lake-enhanced snow showers there. And then we've got our next system beginning to really throw moisture into the west coast. That's going to bring that rain and mountain snow through Thursday and into Friday. And then heading into the weekend and early next week as well. The main thing with this system out west is going to be the snowfall here. Not much going on in the east, but rain and mountain snow back into the Cascades and the northern Rockies. And then all the way down the Sierras as we head through the early part of next week and that's where we could be talking about upwards of two to three feet plus of snow for early next week and that's something we'll continue to keep an eye on as we head deeper into the winter months that's a look around the country now let's take a look at the weather where you live York Pennsylvania breezy with showers a high near 56 degrees heading to Rock Springs Texas mostly sunny and mild a high near 55 and Baker City Oregon snow likely a couple inches possible a high near 38 degrees your toughest weed
1: battle yet is already preparing for next season. We'll talk water hemp next. And later, a deadly porcine disease may be a thing of the past, thanks to a Missouri researcher. That story in the country. And here's something you can do quick and easy today sign up now to enter the Case IH holiday giveaway. Each winner will get a Case IH prize pack. One lucky winner will be drawn each day from Monday, December 19th through Friday, December 23rd. We'll announce those winners on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced on U.S. Farm Report on Christmas Eve, and they'll win a Farmall C pedal tractor. To enter, head over to the website. On your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com.
0: Weed Warriors
1: on Ag Day is brought to you by Fierce, a pre-emergence herbicide with three formulations. Learn more at valent.com slash fierce. Always read and follow label instructions. Weed Warriors get to battle a lot of different weeds in a season, but what was the most expensive in 2022? Iowa weed scientists say the answer has to be water hemp. Known as one of the most aggressive weeds, studies show water hemp can reduce soybean yields by up to 40% and corn yields by 15%. Now, the plant produces between 250,000 and a million seeds each, which can remain viable in the soil for several years. Herbicide resistant water hemp has been found in 19 states and has shown resistance in up to six or seven different
4: herbicide groups. It has evolved resistance to so many herbicides that, you know, the days of using, you know, a, Two herbicide tank mix to control weeds are, are long gone. So, we're applying two or three herbicides pre emergence and two or three uh, herbicides post emergence. And so, and the last I looked, they're not giving those herbicides away. So, uh, I think most growers are still doing a great job of protecting yields in most of their fields, but it's just costing a lot more money to do it. Water hemp can grow
1: an inch or more in a day during the season. So, what can help in the fight against water hemp? Weed scientists say narrow row spacing in soybeans deep tillage that buries some of that seed well below ground, or fall-seeded cover crops, which help reduce early-season emergence in the spring. Scientists may have uncovered a new way to help clear out scab, which is a costly fungal threat to wheat, barley and other small grain crops. A team of scientists with the ARS Application Technology Research Unit in South Dakota State University says, the solution is a newly discovered strain of a fungal virus. The naturally occurring virus can disable the scab fungus's vomitoxin making machinery. Scientists caution though, their research is still in its early stages, but they say with further study, the strain could prove useful as a biological control agent and could be sprayed on certain wheat varieties and other small grain crops. Biosecurity is vital to the safety and well-being of the nation's hog herd. Up next, see how researchers in Missouri are working to end one threat and answer a host of tough production questions in the future in the country. You may remember the story recently of a medical team transplanting a pig's heart into a human that breakthrough surgery wouldn't have been possible without research conducted at the University of Missouri. as Farm Journal Stein Morgan tells us.
2: There's about 100,000 people on the waiting list for organs right now. The vast majority of those are waiting for hearts.
5: A dire need for more heart transplants, Dr. Randall Prather, a professor here at Mizzou, oh, nice discovered a major finding more than a decade ago.
2: To go in and disrupt a piece of DNA that makes that codes for that protein, that enzyme, that puts that molecule in the cell surface so it's not there.
5: Prather said the pig donor organ used in the transplant had that genetic modification from Mizzou, along with nine others, from other locations. But the driver behind Prather's research wasn't to find a solution for humans. Instead, it was pigs.
2: When we started on xenotransplantation, uh, I looked at this as an opportunity to develop the technologies so we could go use them in agriculture.
5: And today, that research has opened the door for him to make a genetic mutation in pigs that don't get PERS.
2: What you can do is alter a couple letters, a couple letters of three billion, that's a B, three billion letter genome, and we can make pigs that don't get PERS.
5: That's not stopping Prather as his research is ramping up with a construction project to expand the high biosecurity facility at Mizzou. As Mizzou recognizes how vital this and other work research and extension is doing truly is. The College of Agriculture, Food and Natural Resources, or CAFNR, hit an all-time record in awards for the recent fiscal year of 62 million dollars.
4: Well, there's just a lot of questions about what is regenerative agriculture. Is it the same as sustainable agriculture? Is it different from organic (laughs) agriculture? It's more focused on regenerating the soil. Again, making it healthier.
5: And their goal is to grow regenerative agriculture across more of these soils.
4: We hope on 500,000 acres in Missouri, working with 3,000 farmers to have more of these practices in place. All right, thanks, Tyne. That's all the
1: time we have this morning. I you guys tune in from all of us here at Ag Day and Clinton the Green.